Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with the other two hosts of the show, Cohorts in Crime. We have Pastor Dave Endorf right there in the middle. We also have Pastor Dave Rudot there at the other end. Thank you for joining us. We have been brought into the future. We are not only on YouTube. We are not only on Facebook. We are also now on X, the social media formerly known as Twitter. Yes, and like the weather today, we will mystify people there on X. <laughs> yep, and we've begun on a good foot. We have the, the dad jokes, they are rolling. And so welcome to the show. Um, so now we have multiple ways for you to to be able to, to find us. So if you are a user of uh, X, you are able to find us there. And I think it is at castingnet.com pod so you'll be able to find us there on twitter and we'll hopefully get our our broadcast put up there and any other things that we do uh you can still find us here on on the facebook you can also find us on youtube uh we have our own youtube page that is is streaming our uh podcast and then we are also having it piggyback off of emmanuel shirley's pot uh youtube page um so you'll be able to find us in all these different locations pretty much you'll be able to find us soon almost anywhere um, that you digest your information. And so we are, we're happy to be able to branch out that way. Um, today's broadcast, of course, always brought to you by Good Coffee. Uh, we do have a, a little bit more. We've had a, um, a petition for um, some extra funds to come in through half and half fellowship coffee. Um, and so uh, we are we're we're really kind of looking to see if that's something that we can we can get behind and 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 say, you know, we can we can support. Um, so we're getting some updates weekly as as to whether or not half and half fellowship is real fellowship. And so uh, uh, we'll see if they can be a provider of the show. But we also have um, um, Michigan Strait, right? Uh, they are uh, Michigan Straight Water, <laughs> I should say, is is part of the the show sponsors, and always good tea. Good tea has been a, a very good supporter. Alaskan good tea, um, and so we do thank them for for being a part of the show. I think we should move on. Do we have a disclaimer? Do we want to throw the disclaimer up that disclaims everything that we need to disclaim? There's always this is the beginning of the conversation, not the end. And so if, if we say something that you find objectionable, it may have been an accident, we may be wrong, or it may be something we need to talk about. And we don't speak as representatives of our church bodies or the wells as a whole, but as individuals who may be wrong and are certainly flawed. So please reach out and talk to us either at Maribel or Shirley or Brooklyn Park. We'd love to talk. With that, let's get into the show. (music) 
Welcome back. Thank you for for sticking with us through the the pre-show and also through our introduction. We are um, continuing our conversation on what's the difference anyway, and we have been kind of walking our way now through eight doctrines that divide the church. And so our our doctrine for today that divides the church is the the doctrine that I, I think a lot of people push back on just out of out of pure natural their natural reason because they can't they they really can't work it through in their head and that's the doctrine of original sin um and so so we're talking today about the doctrine of original sin what is it what is the sin thing anyway and why is this have really kind of put a divide between a lot of the the, the christian denominations that are out there and so i i kind of want to start the show um with one of the the core verses from the scriptures, from God's word that define original sin, or at least give us an introduction into it. And so I would like to, to kind of take you to uh, Psalm 51, verse 5, um, which is a, just a, a beautiful reminder of the reality. Uh, and this is David who is speaking these words um, as he recognizes his own sinful nature. And here's what he says. He says, certainly I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Um, a really good place to start, right? When we talk about this thing called original sin. So let's start. What do you guys have? So sinful, I was, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. What do you think? What's David's point? I, I agree. Yes. Yeah, David was horrible. <laughs> yes, he was. Well, and 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 really, that's actually a, a good thing to address. Is that this isn't just David, you know, beating himself up or or feeling overly guilty or or dramatic. You know, he's addressing in himself you know, the root cause of his actions. You know, why do I, why do I do the things that I do? Because I'm a sinner and I was born sinful. There was a, a, a football player who stomped on a guy's head in a football game. And then in his apology on TV afterwards, he said, I'm not the type of guy who does that. It's like, you just did it. <laughs> Clearly you're the type of guy who does that. Sure. And, and that's obviously, you know, the disconnect that a lot of people have, you know, why do we say that we're sinners? Because we are, sure. we're people who sin. And, and where does that come from? Because I was born a sinner because I didn't have the image of God when I was born. And that's what original sin is. You know, and the confessions describe it as, you know, being born without true fear of God, true faith in God, true trust in God, and with evil desires. And and it even goes even further than that. I mean, uh, you have Paul describing uh, in Ephesians, right, that um, this sin that we have, makes us dead 
you know, we are, our trespasses, the things that we've done make us dead to God. So when God sees us, we are not as the living, breathing things that he has created, but we're dead things. Um, you know, again, you have <clears throat> the, the, the concepts that's being brought out that, um, Jesus will say that, that those who sin are hostile to God, right? Um, that we're, we're an enemy as sinners. God says do, and we don't want to do. Um, God says, uh, be this way, and we don't want to be that way. And and I think so maybe not only is it something that starts from the very nature, but maybe we should talk about what sin is. So maybe we should step back a little bit and say, okay, we talk about this thing called sin, which I don't know if is in modern language anymore, right? Except maybe in a church where you'll, you'll find the, the idea of sin. So maybe we should talk about what is it. Well, just for a second here, I want to I want to jump in and say that the one disagreeing with the Lutheran confessions was Pastor Will Harley, and anybody who wants to take that up, it should be Pastor Will Harley at St. John's Maribel. Disagreeing with the Lutheran confessions. Well, hey, you know, we have to start somewhere. <laughs> what is what is this thing called sin? Well, Pastor Rudette. And that's that's a great point, you know, because ultimately it's, you know, what separates us from God. It's a rebellion against God and against God's will. And, and too often when we talk about original sin and, and people being sinners, you know, people will will picture that as, well, you're saying everybody wants to... Uh, you know, go out and and kick puppies and commit murder and and rape and and that and and that's not what we're saying. We're saying that the relationship with God is one of enmity, being an enemy against God, and and so and so we're saying that people go out and uh, do acts of charity because it makes them feel good, not because it's God pleasing. They. Um, you know, work hard for their their family because, um, you know, they want to uh, have a, uh, you know, because they take pride in their family and, and they have that social standing that they care about, not because this is the family that God has given to them and they're going to be faithful stewards uh, of that family, not because they love that family because Christ first loved them. And so when we talk about sin and original sin, it, it's always good to keep in mind that it is first and foremost about that relationship with God and his will and, and his commands and not about um, necessarily outward appearances. Pastor Rudat, did you have something you want to throw in there on also describing what is sin? Well, starting out with just a definition of sin, yeah. Yeah, you had an outline there. Did you want to go through that outline, or are you just? We are. I'm working my way into it. Okay. <laughs> I just I make that reference because you didn't start the way that the outline started. So I, I know. Because I thought about it later. You're gonna go beyond the the confessions. Now you're gonna go beyond the outline that you even sent. Um, go beyond. Up to today? Secret knowledge. Um, I was reading the the confessions this morning, the book of 
contract about original sin, and I just it was fascinating to me. Of, I I liked everything that Dave was saying about how sin isn't just uh, like doing bad things, but it is this state of hostility towards God. Uh, the sinful mind is hostile to God, as we read in, in Romans. Because um, I think so many people look at the sins that we do as as was mentioned in the Facebook comment about like it's a potential to sin. Like we all have this potential to sin. It's not com- it's not um, a default a uh, what do you call it a and we being very careful because you can't say it's not human nature because human nature isn't by nature sinful but it's a corruption right. of that sinful nature uh, it's not a new substance that's god created or god creates when he creates human beings it's because it's a characteristic of not characteristics but a, a deformity of that substance that this is uh, a part of us at our very core that is completely hostile against God. It's not something that we can, that we are born away from or that we can somehow um, be freed from other than ultimately through death, isn't it? it it's just, we're always going to be uh, um, corrupted until the resurrection, say. Yeah, it, um, you almost start talking, if you're going to go back to how some of the reformers talk about it and how we talked about it in in, in seminary and things like that, you're, there's a difference between the essence of something and its attributes, right? Um, and you would say that, that the core essence of mankind is, is not one that is supposed to be sinful. And, and that way we can say Christ is man in, its, in, his, in, in man's essence. He doesn't carry that attribute of sin, which, which kind of comes. So you, you, you kind of want to break that up into an idea. You would say, <clears throat> so uh, m- most men, most people have two arms and two legs. So if you find a man who has a missing arm, is he still a man? <laughs> and the answer is yes, because the, the, the two arms, two legs are attributes, right? They, but they don't make you who you are. Um, you're still a man. So the essence of what a man is or an essence of what a, a person is, is something that God has given to us. And now tacked on to that so closely is this thing called sin. And I think sometimes in our life, we we do want to try to downplay sin. And you guys have both have brought that up um, where, where we look at sin and we say, okay, maybe we've taught it even in confirmation. We said sin is missing the mark, right? God said, do this. God says, shoot, you know, shoot the arrow here. And we've, we've, we've woofed it and it just went right over the target or it went just a little bit off. And I think sometimes, and this is where we to make people happy, we come back to the, the outline. When we are, start to describe sin in this way of, of just missing the mark and we just describe it in that way, we, we start to think that sin is all too common and not harmful. Right. So we, we start getting this idea that sin is everybody does it. Right. There's too many rules. We can't obey them anyway. So what does it matter? You know, it's okay as long as you don't get caught. And I, I actually just recently had a conversation with a person. The, the Bible says, get rid of all anger. And, and he was firmly convinced that, that Paul really didn't mean that because. Um, you can't actually do it. And God would never command us to do something we can't actually do. Right. I've had that conversation many times. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing is that 
the first use of the the law as we talk about it is that it shows our sinful nature it shows our need for a savior and and, and part of that is i i've never been able to get rid of my anger and and i never will and this is my my deep-seated thoroughgoing need for a savior because i sin and 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 anger is a part of that well, and I, I, I've often felt that conversation was interesting because like you, I've had that conversation many times, especially in big class, when we talk about original sin and we and we go through how how thoroughly sin has corrupted us, right? And it's not, if you remove sin, we would still be people, but sin is, it can't be removed because we're the problem. And as we go through that, they they question, well, why would God demand things of us that we as sinners cannot do? That doesn't seem fair. And I kind of bring in, I, I try to make an illustration with like credit cards, right? Um, so you, you, you fill out your paperwork, you get a, you get cleared by a credit card company for, you know, $15,000. Well, that doesn't mean you have the money to pay that $15,000 bill just because they said you have $15,000. So you go and you spend the money that you want on that on that credit card and then they send you a bill and you're like, "I don't have the money to pay this. You can't demand this of me." Well, you you put the, <laughs> you racked up the bill. That that was not them. <laughs> that was you. Um and that's that, that's the same that's that same idea, right? God says, "Do this because this is this is the demand." Well, I can't do that. Well, that's not his fault that you can't do that. That's your fault that you can't do that. You have the problem, not God's commands. God's law is perfect. Um, and the problem runs deeper than just the choices. It runs deeper than just the the outward expression. It goes It goes as deep as our heart and everything that the heart decides to do or wants to do or focuses on is now going to be corrupted by everything it touches. Because that's how original sin acts. And, and the, the thing I like to point out at a time like that is, okay, so imagine if God's solution to original sin were to not create people who were like us, where would we all be? I, I wouldn't exist. Is that really how I want God to fix the problem of original <laughs> sin? It, it's not. God's solution to original sin instead was to send Jesus to be our, our savior you know and so my solution is because I have original sin because I am a sinner is to yell at God for being a lousy creator why'd you make me this way I'm flawed and and God's solution because he's loving is I, I love you so I'm gonna make you and then I'm gonna die for you and make you holy Right. You know, and and so ultimately, whose solution to original sin do I want to go with? Not mine. I'm clearly an idiot because in in my solution, I don't even exist anymore. I want to go with God's solution because then I am forgiven, holy, perfect, and righteous, and I spend eternity with God in heaven. So, well, and before we get into, because I, I I think that's eventually where we want to we want to be is we want to see how does God fix this original sin and, and his solution to it. Um, but before we get there, I think let's spend just a little bit of time um, going through the different approaches to how maybe the way we could, we can explain original sin better to our people. 
Um, so I, I know in the outline, um, there's two examples. One of it as, as sin as a disease and the other as sin as a weed. Um, I, I, I did not include it in the outline, but sometimes I'd like to refer to original sin as the defect in the mold. So you have Adam and Eve, and, and just to explain that one, and then we'll go into the others, is original sin is, is that defect in the mold. So God created Adam and Eve. They were to be the templates, right, of all of the people after them. And when they fell into sin, that mold was cracked. And so everything that comes from that mold is going to be cracked. It's going to have a crack in, in whatever comes out of it. Um, and so as you keep going down further and further, and you have the next generation who is now the mold for the generation to come after them, that crack is still there. And eventually that crack gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it's more noticeable, more noticeable, more noticeable, more noticeable. And, and you see that throughout time. You see how, how insidious sin is. Um, you have, of course, Adam and Eve, their children. You have the first murder. The children after that, you have them making weapons so that they can murder more. After that, you, you have generation upon generation who um, the inclinations of their heart are evil all the time. You have the Lord saying, I, I can't, my spirit can't bear with them. I, I'm not going to let my spirit bear with them. Um, and so he, he destroys them. After the flood, you have eight people left and he still says, and, the spirit, and, and from their heart, they're evil all the time, <laughs> even the eight that are left. Um, so it didn't get better. Um, and, and then it gets worse. And we look at it now and we say in our generation, well, it was a lot better when I was younger. Or it was a lot better when, like our grandparents will say, well, things were, were different. It was better then. Well, yeah, it probably was because sin is still getting worse. That, that original sin, it's still breaking down everything as it goes because that mold was originally faulty and it kept breaking and it still is. So let's talk a little bit about the other ones because, like I said, that mold one I didn't put into the outline, but let's talk about sin as a disease. Let's talk about how, how you can view this original sin as a disease. What do you think? I, I don't know if I've ever used sin, or original sin as a disease in a Bible class or um, so now you're kind of, I've never really talked about it that way. It just talked about more like a state or maybe our default programming. I can certainly see um, the value in someone saying, your original sin is something that you, it has a cause. I mean, you, um, the things that you do, you go, why did I do that terrible thing? Why did I say that terrible thing? Well, because you have this disease that's affecting you that has a cause, which is Adam and Eve's fall into sin. And and I think you have your original sin where we're thinking of it in a, in a side of a disease that has a symptom. So you can look at it and you say, um, this happened in my life. Why am I, why did that happen? Well, there's a symptom, right? There's problems. So you can look at them. No, I was just saying that, that, that as part of that symptom, isn't the, we sometimes try to fix the symptom, but that's not the problem. suppress the symptoms, but it still is a problem. It's still there. Right. And so, so looking at, at 
Now, the problem in looking at um, the sinful nature and, and the original sin as a disease means that there's a cure, right? We, we get this idea, well, I should be able to take something and it will cure me. Um, <clears throat> so maybe think of it more in the ways of, of a really infectious cancer um, that, that on this side of heaven, we push it back. Right on this side of heaven, we may we may be able to push some of the symptoms back. We can maybe push some of the um, the overall hurt of it back. But eventually, as we hear in Romans, the wage of sin is death. Right, it will win the earthly battle, and ultimately, without Christ, it'll win the eternal battle as well, um, and and condemn us to hell. But if we think of it as the disease that we're fighting is is really just a very infectious cancer, maybe you get a little bit closer to what original sin is. Now, that cancer doesn't define you. The cancer isn't who you are in the sense of if you didn't have cancer, you wouldn't be you. <laughs> but it's it's so much of a part of you, you can't you can't get rid of it. So so you think about a, a, a cancer that can't be cut out because it's everywhere. It's in every part. Um, you can't do a bone marrow transplant because it doesn't matter. It's in the bones itself. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about. And this is where maybe like an autoimmune disease would be more. Yeah. Uh, analogous to what we're going for. You know, the body's destroying itself. Sure. And that, and you can't get rid of it because it's your body. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so we have sin as a disease. Um, so depending on, and I love that autoimmune one. That's great. A great connection to say, this is kind of what we're dealing with. Um, and you can't get rid of it because you'd be getting rid of yourself, which is the cure. I mean, (laughs) you have to die. (laughs) Um, and so welcome to baptism. And that's, that's, you know, that's part of that. Um, sin as a weed. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the resurrection. Um, why do you have to be raised again? Because you had to die first so that a new thing can come. Uh, sin as a weed. So sin as a weed. Um, I have to admit, I've never used, see, I've used the sin as a disease and I've used uh, in my Bible information classes, sin as like that mold, which I, I kind of threw out there as well. I have never used sin as a weed. So when I came across this one, I thought it would be worthwhile to maybe throw out there. So, what? I do like how um, you know it's there. I like the the picture of a weed. Like you know that if you have dirt, weeds are going to come, but there's no it, no apparent source for that. You can't just like, well, I'm going to have this ground here, and I'm going to nuke it with all kinds of radiation, and 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 then I'm going to put some bacteria in there, and and then I'm going to have this brand new dirt that's been cleansed of everything. You put it out there, and sure, sure enough, weeds come up. It's just like it doesn't seem like there is a way to trace where it comes from, but it, you know it's always there. Yeah, and even and maybe you've noticed this when well when we were living in South Dakota, especially you would have the really really dry times, and everything else would die, and the only green things out in the out in the out in the grass were the weeds. Right. They were, they were just didn't matter. It didn't, you have a lot of rain weeds. You had no rain weeds. Um, weeds were always there. And then you go out there and you try to kill them and they came back and they were worse. What you used to kill them before they wouldn't die. Um, 
so in that respect, I can definitely say, you know, uh, there is some connection to the, to that original sin. And, and you know, maybe it's an interesting thing to think about. I was just thinking about it, you know, as the, the farmer and both for the disease and, and also with this idea of the, of the weeds, the things that mankind come up with to try to fix the problem only destroys and harms the things they don't want it to harm. You know, like when we have a disease, we go to immune disease or we go to cancer or something like that. What's the, let's, let's, let's give them radiation right? It affects the, the whole body. Let's, let's go through immense surgeries to cut things out, affects the whole body. With weeds, let's kill, but we have to have such a strong killer, it kills everything, right? And makes everything toxic. It seems like everything we try to do to fix the problem, which doesn't fix the problem at all, it just sometimes makes it worse, seems to affect the body. Do you, do you feel that way maybe? And this is off the page a little bit, but do you feel that way that that's what we do in life, especially without Christ? that we see the symptoms and we are like, we can fix this symptom. And so we make this overarching rule or we, we do a wide sweeping change of something and it just breaks something else. Absolutely. Because there's a reason, you know, Luther begins all of the 10 commandments, all the explanations of the 10 commandments with, we should fear love and trust in God. You know, because at their heart, they're all about that relationship with God. And so you look at, you know, the political system today, and, and part of the reason it's broken is because you've got two sides, the right and the left, who are both arguing that the way to fix the world is uh, a better political system. You know, if, if we run the world this way, we're going to make things better. If we're going to, or the other side says, the same thing. We got to run the world this way to to fix the problems of the world. And the reality is, no, that that's not what's going to fix the world. The problem is sin. And so, um, so why would you make the world? What? <laughs> because it doesn't address the heart. It, it doesn't change people's nature. And and so people are going to find a way to to go on sinning no matter what the political system is. And and that's what we have always seen throughout human history. It's what you see throughout the Bible. You know, you, you have, you know, Moses is the leader. You have no leader with the, the judges. You have kings. You have all kinds of different things. And it, none of it's a solution. The well, solution have- is Christ. You even have um, God being the ruler, right? Working through his prophets. And they're like, we don't like this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and all of this is meant to, to, to be a lesson to God's people that you don't need an earthly ruler to, uh, to fix the problems. You need the prophet, priest, and king in Christ. Right. 
And I also would probably just throw in there that the reason not only does the, the everything we try to do to fix the problem only tackle a symptom and not the heart, I would say that everything that we try to do is tainted with the very problem itself because it's coming from a tainted pool. You know, um, <clears throat> so every good idea that we have has its issues because we have issues <laughs> and we have our own blind spots because of sin. Um and I know, I know maybe our, our listeners don't want to hear that and they don't, they don't want to come to terms with the fact that, that having a blind spot to especially our own pet sins, the things that we enjoy is a sin. And those are the, the, the blind spots, um, leaving loopholes open for people. That's, that's a sin, right? Um, we're giving people the okay that they can do something in this way for this purpose, because we know they're going to do it anyway. Um, it just brings to mind Moses going to the Lord and saying, you know, Lord, can, can the people divorce? And, and the Lord, you know, making a comment that they're going to do it anyway, right? Because they're a sinful people. They want to do these things. And then he gave, he said, okay, infidelity, abuse, right? Um, if those things happen, that breaks that bond. But that's not because God wanted to break that bond. It's not because that made God happy. It was because sinful people do sinful things and break things because we're sinners. And so, you know, that happens in the world. That's a scary thing uh, to me. It's a, a very scary thing um, because sometimes I think we do that even in the church. At the same time as it's a scary thing, you know, it's important to understand that you know, this is also something we we look at head on and address because we want to see God's patience. You know, God's patience through, you know, the the two thousand years of God's people from from Abraham to to Christ. You know, God God hated the the arrangements and and how God messed up or not how God but how people messed up marriage with the the patriarchs and with his people but he was patient with them because he wants to save you know and and he wanted to send Christ into the world and it's that patient God who who was there to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the world and we want to look at the the depth of God's sin, not just to make us feel bad, but so that we know how great God's patience is for those times when we can't sleep in the middle of the night and, and we're racked with guilt because I can't believe I did it again. And, and now how could God still love me? So, And that's how we know because we have this whole 6,000 years of God's track record watching over and blessing people who needed patience. So I, I, I like how we're getting the segue into God's response um, and to the Lord's response to the to original sin and the sinful nature. So I, I want to start our conversation on this um, as we, we kind of make our segue into where we all want to go, which is to talk about the gospel. Uh, I mean, and we each had Freudian, uh, Freudian slips, so, you know, I'm accused of not liking the confessions. You're, we could probably accuse you of saying God made a mistake. Um, so <laughs> well, he did make me, so. <laughs> um, but I think, I think one of the things that we have to confront as we make our segue into into the proclamation of the gospel and, and we look at what did not only what does God say about sin, but what does God do um, for the sinner 
is is maybe to confront a question. And again, this is, and I apologize, Pastor Rudot, it's not in the not in the notes. But um, <laughs> here's my question for you. Um, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> here's my question for you. Um, people have said, and I have heard it many times, God uh, loves the sinner but hates the sin. Do you find that to be a hindrance to the clarity of the gospel proclamation and, and God's reaction to sin? I just had a sermon that just completely debunked that phrase, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. That's well, now is the time to, to share that. All right. And I agree with that. And I think that was a beautiful way to to state this. So essentially, because of the sinful nature, the only way to get rid of the sinful nature is a person has to die, right? And it, the, the, the one that's infected with it has to die for, for that to, to leave. Now, ultimately, at the end of life, that happens. <laughs> you, you, we, we will die. Um, but the Lord also gives us uh, this beautiful gift in the means of grace, and and this is uh, um, in in specifically um, baptism, where He puts us to death with Christ. He links us into Christ's death, and He puts us to death with Him, and then He raises us to new life, where we have that break right from the control of our sinful nature and the slavery that we have to to I'm always making the bad choices. I'm always um, those are the symptoms, right? That flow from it, that my heart is always hateful and, and I'm hostile to God, to one that has now been raised in Christ and I love him for what he has done, but I still struggle with, with what's going on in the flesh. This is where I think some of the difference lies between the Lutheran church, the confessional Lutheran church, which whether you think so or not, I'm a part of. <laughs> I think this is where the difference is, right? Um, between between the the Lutheran Church and and other churches. So, in the last, we have about fourteen minutes, thirteen minutes or so. Um, do we want to maybe maybe highlight some of the differences? I mean, this is what the the this is the podcast. What's the difference? Eight doctrines that divide the church. This doctrine of original sin divides. Why? <laughs> I mean, you're you're absolutely right that uh, apart from the 
the Calvinist church, the, the followers of, of John Calvin and the Reformed church, who, who talk about total depravity. Um, th this would be something that separates us from pretty much the rest of, of Christianity. Because as they talk about original sin, you know, they're going to talk about it in ways that minimize it, you know, and so they'll, they'll talk about it as something that's, you know, not, not so bad. You know, the, the two illustrations that come to mind are, are they'll describe you as a block of wood. You know, you don't necessarily resist God, but you don't help either or or they'll talk about it as is like chalk dust it's something that's on top of you but it can be brushed off it can be removed it can be it, it's not that deep-seated it's not that that thorough going and, and because of that idea of original sin all of these types of you know, work righteousness or cooperating in salvation, all of these other I ideas, you know, can come into play as well. You know, you participate in your own salvation in in some way. Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, that is one of the biggest breaks. So so in the idea of original sin. You have many congregate, and and I would even say the Catholic Church in some recent, uh, some senses will say yes, we're born sinful, but we have that shred of grace, right? Um, we have that little bit of of God's grace, the divine spark that helps lead us to make the choices that you know, right? Make good choices that will lead us to the cross. Um, and you have in in um, I. I don't know if it, I know the Baptist Church does this. I don't know if the Methodist Church does as well. But you have sometimes that idea of the tabula rasa, uh, which is which is that idea that that children are born a, a blank slate, and and sin is a learned trait, and that's something that that kind of grows with them because people have made bad choices around them, and so they they kind of gain those bad choices, um, and and they they look at that original sin as as not necessarily something that is transmitted down, but look at that was the bad choice of Adam and Eve. That was you know they made a bad choice, and now we have a tendency to make bad choices too. Um, and, and like you said, minimize what sin is. And, and so the the Catholic Church would lean more towards like the the chalk dust view of original sin, and so you have it and it's there, but in, in baptism you kind of get rid of it, and so now you can live a not just a good life, but you can live a life that that is so um, super abundant with good works that you can add to Christ's good works and help save other people and get them to sure. heaven. Sure, and. And yeah, you're, I, it's kind of hard to nail down the Methodist Church, especially the United Methodist Church in America, but definitely the blank slate kind of an idea, the, the block of wood, you know, that, you know, they, and, and this is where you come in blaming society, blaming yeah. nurture, that type of a, a thing. Well, it's also where you get, and and not to not to go into the political side, but it's also where you get these social justice warriors. Where if we can just change society, if we can just get the the laws to be on our side, then we can stop these things. We can almost bring heaven on earth because we can we can get rid of sin, almost a utopian idea. 
Um, and, and that will never happen because sin is too ingrained. It's, it's that disease. It's that broken mold, however you wanted to describe it. It's a, it's so much a part of us. Everything we try is going to be broken, which then I guess leads us to, to the, that, that final point, which is a divide within the churches. And, and that divide is how does that, this sin go away? Um, and I, and in the Lutheran church, we highlight the work of the means of grace, right? God working on us to put us to death in Christ and raise us to a new life. Um, the work of the gospel and the, and the work of the spirit that continues to condemn uh, God's law that condemns the sinful nature and God's gospel that brings us and rises us new every day. Um, these are, this is the work of God alone, not a, not a, a fix of the problem from within us, but a fix of the problem externos outside of us, right? Coming from outside, working upon us. Now that's different from everyone else. How so? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, in, in the, um, you know, more, more modern mainstream branches of, of Christianity, like the United Methodist Church, you, you would see them working to reform society. And, and so they, they look at, at dealing with sin by trying to reshape society. And, and that's why they're very politically active in that sense. Um, but also in the, the evangelical world, you know, because they don't get uh, the means of grace, you'll see them trying to reshape society because they kind of figure the more Christian America is, the more people are going to make that step in deciding for Christ, the more conducive it'll be for, for doing gospel outreach and, and ministry. Um because they don't trust the the word of God to to work faith in people's hearts, um, and and so you know their theology about original sin is, is something that pervades you know everything that they do. Pastor Rudat, I was I I liked everything you guys were saying. I'm just percolating in my own mind how and how in confessional Lutheranism we're resting on declaration. We're resting on the changing status that God declares. And that that works in our hearts. It does create a new person inside of us, which, uh, um, which God then works to do what is good. But the other Christian denominations are looking for the power of God, whether that, that you get that power through receiving the Mass so many times or or get that power by uh, following God somehow. Like you're, this is now gonna you're gonna demonstrate that you are more and more in line with God in some way. You've got your, like you said, method. You gotta have this. If you do it this way, then your your life will be more holy. That there'll be a, and, and as you even go on the spectrum towards the holiness group, where there's a possibility that you would not sin because you are doing the right method, you are doing the right strategy, you are accessing the right power of God. Lutheranism says you can't, this is a problem that really can't be fixed and truly solved until the resurrection. But what does God give you? He gives you a declaration that you are redeemed, you are forgiven, you are linked to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
that is that gives you power, but it still isn't going to. It it it, it does show f- you're going to bear fruits as James talks about, and as Paul writes about it in Romans twelve too. But it's not going to be like don't expect uh, um, don't expect a progression of from you know a lot of sin to a little sin. Just expect a consistent Romans seven kind of existence. Who's going to res- rescue me from this? wretched body of death um, but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through this proclamation through our Lord Jesus Christ and then in chapter 8 begins by saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus well how do you get in Christ Jesus well Romans 6 through baptism <laughs> so right. it's it's all this uh, Lutheranism is, is resting on declarations of God not resting on the power and activity of God for uh, a, a victory over our sin nature which i mean and and i mean that doesn't discredit the fact that god in a very powerful way did win us the victory um but his power was seen in in the humility and in the passive obedience of christ who allowed things to happen to him um as he suffered and died and and then he carried the weight of our sin inside of himself um, and now we are pronounced different because of him, and that's that's that pronunciation again. Um, and there is something to be said, and, and I think it's it's that tension that we have, um, right? That that there's the tension that that Luther would bring up in the large catechism that our sinful nature continues to try to come back. It, it continues to try to float back up, and so we have to drown our sinful nature every day in the waters of our baptism. And so we remember our baptism every single day because. In this side of heaven, there is this. There is the new creation that God has made, that that strives and loves the Lord and wants to do what the Lord has has given for us to do. And then there's the old part of us that still hangs on, and it wants nothing to do with God, and it wants to rear its ugly head again, and it wants to kick the new man out, it wants to kick everything that God is doing out. And so there's that battle. And and when we when we give justice to that side that wants nothing to do with God, we we walk further and further away from the cross of Christ. And we 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 enter back into the chains of slavery. Why should I keep on sinning? We've died to sin. Um and and so I I I won't want to be a part of that anymore. Um but this is the struggle. This is the struggle that we have in life, right? This is the struggle that we get. Um that original sin still is a part of us on this side of heaven. And and after that New creation. And, and that's where I, I think it's amazing that, you know, Paul in, in Romans 7 doesn't say, you know, and now commit yourselves and, and put your nose to the grindstone and, and try a lot harder. It's, and, and Christ gives us the victory. And, and then he goes to Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't you know, say there's and, no and, longer a reason for you to be condemned. He just says you're not going to be. Yeah, which is amazing. And, um, and so I, I like to point out to people that, you know, this is why in the the divine service, when we have the confession and absolution, we don't confess necessarily specific individual sins. We confess that we are sinners because we are and and so that we know we are forgiven for being sinners and then during the week when we sin we know 
We are forgiven for that sin, but we also remember, you know, I've already been forgiven for being a sinner. So obviously this is taken care of too. And and it's the, the greatness of that comfort in the big thing that is there to comfort us throughout the week in the in the smaller things as, as we run into those individual sins. If I've already been forgiven for being a sinner, this is taken care of as well. And and so when we talk about original sin, it is there also for that reason, for that comfort throughout our lives. The big thing has been taken care of. The little things are fixed. You know, just as a just kind of as my final note that I would like to as you were speaking that I was just thinking. Dave David, he says not any of the Davids here. Um, one far more of a sinner um, said that he was sinful from the moment his mother conceived him. And yet the proclamation of his sins forgiven in Christ was from all eternity. I mean, that God had a plan to send his son that, that he would be redeemed, right? That David would be redeemed is a, was a plan a lot longer than, than he had been a sinner. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a neat, to me, I guess, that's kind of a neat thing to think about, that that from all eternity, God planned to send his son to die for me, and I wasn't even born yet. I wasn't even born a sinner, but I was that important. And so are you. I mean, even though you make fun of me. I was just going to say, we have to do that every show now, because otherwise he won't give us any Latin quotes. He gave us like three Latin terms in one podcast. We don't get that unless we we read them a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That proves that I am confessional. <laughs> I I have no actual doubt that you're confession. Just to be clear. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, thank you very much. Uh, as we continue our, our look at what's the difference anyway, um, please uh, join us for next week because uh, next week is really gonna, going to heavily rest on the proclamation. So um, as Pastor Rudat so wonderfully brought up and he kind of gave the, the priming of the pump here, right? Um, as he says, we in the Lutheran Church deal with proclamation, what is spoken over us. Uh, next week on Thursday, we will be tackling the doctrine of justification, so that is the, as Luther would say, and the reformers would say, the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls. And that is a, a pure proclamation. So please join us for Thursday as we continue our look at what's the difference anyway. And we we look at the eight doctrines that divide the church. And we're going to focus on justification. Also join us on Tuesday when we will gather again and have an opportunity to go beyond the sermon and kind of take a look at at where we were on Sunday, and then maybe getting some some background notes as to things that we wish we would have talked about or wish we would have maybe done a little bit better or clarified a little bit more as we continue the conversation throughout the week on God's Word. And so thank you for joining us. <laughs>